0: Seems like 25 years, but over the last two years, as we think about this, prepare the way that we've been a part of this campaign to uh, renovate our sanctuary, which we've done, uh, build a parking lot, uh, and now to expand uh, a new front door to our church to create a commons and extend our worship center foyer out there. Uh, Today is going to be more uh, than just about a financial commitment. Uh, Today is really about uh, you and me and our walk with Christ and how. We see Jesus uh, moving and working in us. Today, if you didn't know, uh, around five o'clock, there's a football game happening. It's not quite as popular as uh, the luge, but uh, that Olympic sport, but it's almost as popular. And there's going to be a lot of, of activity uh, around that game today uh, between the Bengals uh, and the Rams. And as I think about everything that goes into that game, uh, no matter what team you cheer for, or you don't care who wins, uh, because you want to see the luge later tonight. <laughs> um, that's your your thing. I, as I think about all that goes into making that spectacular, that event spectacular. I think about what do we do with our own lives uh, to make Jesus spectacular. He's already spectacular, but what do we do to, to proclaim his name in mighty ways? We put all of our effort, our attention, everything we have to make his name great. And that's what today is about because tonight there's a small chance you might see a giant poster that says John 3.16, perhaps the most famous uh, Bible verse there is. I haven't seen it at a lot of athletic events recently. But today we're going to look at what, for people who know anything about the Bible, is probably the second most famous uh, Bible verse. It's going to be in Matthew chapter 28. So if you want to turn there, you can. But we're going we're to be looking at this famous verse that's more important than the Rams or the Bengals. Uh, more important than luge, uh, more important than uh, whatever uh, activity we might have going on, and and as you think about those important verses, those things in the in the Bible that seem to have like th- we better pay attention to this because number one Jesus said it, uh, and two is actually the last thing that he said uh, to a group of his disciples, but as you get there to Matthew twenty eight, I want to ask you: Have you ever? been unsure of something like like you're confident but not one hundred percent. you see someone you know and you think it's them, but you 're not sure. maybe students if you see a teacher outside of school that 's like a weird deal like you don't wear the same clothes and should I say hello to you? Should I not? Like, do I need to avoid you because I have a D right now in that class? Um, or maybe I should go up to you so that you'll give me some bonus points for being a nice student outside of class. Maybe you see a coworker or a former neighbor at a sporting event. You're like, mm, I, I think that's them, but I'm not quite sure. And do you go up to them or not? It's like that, you know, if they see me and we make eye contact and they recognize me, then yes, okay, I'll say hi. Otherwise, I might just go out of business. Because there's always that, like, awkward moment. I I had this actually happen the other day. I was eating lunch uh, with a church member. And a gentleman that I've met, I think, three times Uh, once, uh, I think at 5 a.m., in our 209 parking lot, the parking lot right out front there, uh, because he was taking our oldest son, Reed, to Colorado uh, with a bunch of other students. And then I'd met him one other time. This was the third time. He walked up. I immediately recognized his face, but I was like, is your name Joel or not? It was, but he said it first, thankfully. And it was a wonderful moment. It was great. And I got to introduce him to our other church member. It was great. But those moments where where you're not quite sure, maybe there's a giant task in front of you, whether it's a project at work or something at school, and and you you feel confident, you're you're ready. Maybe it's a competition. I know uh, state competitions are happening right now uh, for a lot of our students. And and you're ready, you're confident, but you're just not quite sure. Maybe you want to ask a girl on a date. And you're like, I think she likes me. I like me. <laughs> but, you know, there's like, uh, what if she says, no, it's okay. We're confident, but not quite sure. Skydiving, for example. Once you're in the plane, you've got to go for it. Like, once you're up, it's there. So often, when we have those moments, when it's, we're called to take a little step of faith or a little bit of a risk or step out into the unknown. There's always that twinge of doubt. Always that twi- twins of, twinge of second guessing. Easy for me to say. But sometimes what we forget is that we place all of our hope and all of our excitement or all of our disappointment in the result. And yet the truth is the victory The victory in that situation is you taking the step. You asking the girl out. You completing the project at work. You competing at the state level. You applying for that promotion. You buying that new house. And we need to pray for Randy and Amy because they need to find a house in this market. That's a miracle. But taking the step of faith is the victory. And so this morning I want us to think about what it means to take steps of faith in our own life. What does it mean to go? Because we've been talking a lot about that. And no other passage in all the Bible is more clear than Matthew 28 about how we should go and what we should be about. And so I've thought it appropriate on the day that we're committing uh, our resources, our finances, to invest not just in this campus but in the lives of people who are not here yet. What better day than to talk about how we should go? Because I don't want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to miss an opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. And so I want to go. And I want you to go with me. And so in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, we see some of Jesus' last words to his disciples. He says this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age Jesus had told his followers hey go meet me on this mountain in Galilee and I'll be there and so they did what Jesus said because those 11 guys uh, again minus Judas at this point go to the mountain and they wait on Jesus to show up on the mountain well, he arrives on the mountain, and when he gets there, there are some. We don't know if there was only 11, probably more than 11, but we know there was at least 11. They were there, and some of them worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, that, it's an interesting statement to me that some doubted. Jesus in the flesh, after his resurrection, shows up. Like, he's there in person. And some still doubted. There's a battle going on in some of those folks' lives where reason and logic and faith are beginning to collide. Like, how can this be? How can one conquer death? How can that happen? How can it be that he was once alive, then he died, and now he's alive again? Logically, that doesn't work. And yet others embraced the power of God by faith. They took that step of faith. And so here we are in this moment where there are some who have worship, are worshiping him immediately before he even speaks. They're worshiping him. And some who are like, mm, I'm not quite sure. I, I still have questions. I'm uncertain. But he approaches them with grace and power. He's the resurrected Savior. And so one of the most often quoted Passages in all the Bible. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I want to start today by speaking to the beginning of that statement and the end of that statement. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And lo, that's the old version, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. If Jesus has been given all authority over heaven and earth, if he's been given everything, the power rests in him, life and death and circumstances, The car you drive, the house you live in, the places you go, the things that you say or don't say. He has authority over all of that. And he knows all of what you do, say, where you go, where you don't go, how you think. And still, knowing all of that, because I know most of you are perfect, but a few of you, he still says, I'm with you always. What a great blessing that is to have the person who has authority over all things, has authority over life and death. He's with you. He's with you. What what an encouragement that should be to us. He has authority over my life. He has authority over those around me. The God of the universe is with me. He's with me. That should energize me, that should excite me, that should give me boldness in my faith because the truth is, if he has authority over everything, then when I step out on faith, he has authority over the result of that. And I don't have to worry about it, he does. And so I can take the step of faith with confidence. That I can be a person of calm and peace when everyone else around me is full of anxiety and worry. I'm the person of calm because... He says, he's the God of peace, and he will give you peace that passes all understanding. He has authority over my life. And then that last statement, verse 20, is a statement for the ages. I'm with you, I am with you. That's the understatement of all time. That the God of the universe is with you, that he's with you, he's beside you, he's near you. If you have a relationship with him, he lives inside of you. So we should be excited to go. Because the God of the universe is with me. And if he's with me, then it doesn't matter who's against me. Romans tells us that. Paul helps us later on. Say, hey, if God is with you, it doesn't matter what life throws at you. It doesn't matter the good, the bad, the indifferent. It doesn't matter if that girl says no. Oh, by the way, when you take that big step of faith and ask her out, it's okay. Because God is with you. And because of that, because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, we given to him and he's with us, we now have a task And he says it this way, go, therefore. If I was writing it, I would say it differently. I would say, therefore, or because of that, get off your duff and get moving. That would be the David Lorenz version. But he says, go, therefore, and make disciples. Go. And that word go means to as you're going. Like your natural pattern of life already. Which for some of you, that's getting up early, going to a job, working for 7 to 12 hours and coming home, handling details and kids and household. For others of you, that's getting up somewhere between 6 and 8.05 so you can make it to school on time or close to on time. Going for a few hours then doing extracurricular activities, a job maybe, and then coming home, doing homework, rinse and repeat. But you have a pattern of life. And so do you wonder sometimes, God, why am I in this pattern? Why is this my life? And the reason why it is is because he's put you in a place. He's put you in a position wherever you are for you to go. For you to go. He's put you in a place for you to go and make disciples, to be a disciple maker. Do you think he gives you victories and defeats for yourself or so that you can learn and grow from them and celebrate his goodness to you or be reminded of his presence with you in those dark moments just for you? No, so that when someone else has a victory, you can help give them proper perspective. When someone else has a defeat, you can help them in that defeat because you are the person of peace and calm and encouragement because all authority has been given to him and he's with you. And so you're going to go. You're going to go. Students, do you ever wonder why you're in math with that teacher? You ever wonder that? Do you ever wonder why it's that class period? Why is it third period math? Why couldn't I have sixth period math? All my friends are in there, Uh, that teacher's nicer, everyone seems to get a better grade. Well, The reason why you're in there and the reason why you're sitting next to the person you're sitting next to is that you can go and be a disciple maker. That's the reason why you're in there. Do you ever wonder why he gave you a passion and skill to play baseball or the trumpet? To act or sing or to be good in math, oh, by the way? because God wants you to go. He wants you to go in those environments so that you can be a disciple maker, so that you can make a difference no matter where you are. That's why he's with us so that we can go. Because most of us in life, we play the short game. We want the instant victory. We, we want to know what's going to happen now. We, we want to see the victory right now. But God plays the long game. He plays the long game. He, he does want immediate obedience. But he's playing the long game. He's put you in a place, not just students, all of us, put us in a place so that we can make an investment day after day after day after day after day with those around us. When most of us are concerned only about my success or failure, the Lord's calling us to go and be a disciple maker. You may have frustrations about school or sports or the arts that you're in. Maybe you have complaints about your family. I sure do. Maybe you have complaints. But students, let me remind you that God is calling you to invest in some people today so that in two years or maybe 30 years, maybe 30 years, they'll think back to an interaction they had with you and say, you know, that person told me the truth, loved me, helped me, cared for me. They drew me closer to Jesus that's our calling. And so, whether you're 14 or 64, that's the lesson we have to learn. And so, my prayer is that we will look to the scripture and God's calling to, uh, for us more than we will TikTok and our snap streaks. That we'll be more concerned about the kingdom benefit, as I talked about last week, and the investments that we make in people and others. And as we look at this whole prepare the way campaign, for you students, you may not be able to give financially, but you know what you can do? You can make a disciple. You can show someone the love of Christ. That neighbor in fourth period needs you. And that's what God's called us to do, is to go in those patterns of life. And so whatever your pattern is, You need to be thankful for that. I'm thankful that over a hundred years ago, a group of people in League City gave of themselves and their resources to establish First Baptist League City. Because more than a hundred years later, all of you, many of you, and all of us got the benefit of what happened more than a hundred years ago. Because when they established First Baptist League City, That church became Bay Area Church that we know today. And in the 1950s, some folks who were driving from Friendswood on a shell road for 30 minutes into League City to go to church there said, hey, we need to work in Friendswood. And those folks in League City said, yes, we want to make disciples in Friendswood. And so they launched what would become First Baptist Friendswood in 1956. And you students got the great benefit of that a few weeks ago at Collide. Because that church gave financially and they gave it themselves. And you and I, church family, get the blessing of that because they gave and they went so that we could worship here today. And we did the same thing for Heritage Park in the 1970s. And they did just two years ago the same thing for Third Coast Church, which meets in the Lagomar neighborhood behind Bucky's. Everybody knows where that is. Go, make disciples. Think about the long game. Think about the future of the kingdom. Think about what God would call us to do and how he would act because God has made an opportunity for all of us to be a part of his kingdom and now it's our opportunity to go and make others. And so just so you don't think I'm picking on the students today, adults, let me remind you that that house you live in, that neighborhood you're in, That's Jesus' house. And he wants you to shine his light to your neighbors, no matter how nice they are to you. Do they mow that strip between the yards or not? Doesn't matter. Love them anyway. Be a blessing to them. Go. Why do you work at the company you work at? Because God put you there so that you could go and be a disciple maker. Think about why you did or didn't get a promotion. Because God wants you exactly where he has you. So you can draw others to him. Think about the patterns of your life when you go to the grocery store, if you go to the gym, if you have stops like Starbucks and other places, when you get your haircut. what are the patterns of your life? As you go, Make disciples, draw people closer to Jesus, because god 's calling us to love everyone around us, everyone. You know February is kind of the month of love i 'm not real sure why every month should be the month of love, but tomorrow, if you don 't remember tomorrow 's valentine 's day, and it 's sort of the day of love, but love should be the defining feature of all of us. I think i 've mentioned that recently. But if we define it, I, I'm so grateful that today we got to love on some single moms. That, that because of the passion and the desire for some of our church members to, to love on single moms, we, we had a single mom's breakfast. What a blessing that is. As you go, wherever God has put you, be a blessing, an encouragement, love on, care for those people that God's put in your place. Because making disciples is simply leading someone else closer to Jesus as you learn to be more like him. Most of us really kind of want to that last part. We, we want to be more like Jesus or you wouldn't be here today. We, we, we want to be more like Jesus. It's that first part that sometimes we have trouble with. That we don't lead others to be closer to him. Because we have some people in my life that are far from Jesus. Jesus. And you have some people in your life that are far from Jesus. But God's calling you to take that step of faith to go and help them take one step closer, one step closer. And when you and I do that, when we make disciples, when we lead people to see the power and the truth of Jesus, When we help them see what it means to follow after Christ. That that he is in the eternity business. Not in the instant gratification business. That may spur us to walk alongside others in a different way. And so what would happen if we reach that 1 or 2% of the 61,000 people that live within seven miles of us, right here. From Pearland to Dickinson. From Alvin to Clear Lake. What would happen if one or two percent of those, if somewhere between 600 and 1,200 people you and I reached, one or two per person, what would that look like? It would radically change the dynamic. We'd have to bring in more chairs. That's what we'd have to do, one. But we get the opportunity to baptize them. To baptize them, to, to teach them what it means to understand that Jesus is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live. He died on a cross. He shed his blood so that you and I wouldn't have to pay the penalty of debt. He paid it for us by dying for us. And on the third day, he rose again, conquering sin and death. That's the message of Jesus. That he loves you and he loved you enough to give himself for you in your place. And when we share that message with others and we help people see that, we draw them close to Jesus and they identify with him, they believe by faith that that is true, that Jesus died for them, and he is their savior, then we get to baptize them. We we get to celebrate with them. We get to help them show publicly what it means to follow after Christ. Too often we've relegated to when it's convenient, or when I can put it on the calendar, or when I can get all the family in, or You know, I'll get to it someday. Salvation is what really matters. And yes, that's true. But why would Jesus say it if it wasn't important? Baptism isn't just a step of obedience. It's declaring that Jesus is with me and I'm with him. And if I'm a follower of Christ, I want to declare all the time, Jesus is with me and I'm with him. I want to declare that all the time. And the first and greatest way we do that is by baptism. And baptism is fun and exciting. When I was baptized, uh, I was a freshman in college. And uh, my pastor, it was in spring. I grew up in spring. It was in spring, and my pastor was 5'8". His son, one of his sons, uh, is actually one of the worship leaders at Clear Creek Community Church, which is exciting. Uh, his Two of his boys are in ministry. And, and he was about five, he's still alive. He is about five eight. And at the time I was six four. If you want to grow, get baptized because I'm six five now. Uh, Might work for you. Might work for you. Uh, But uh, I was about six four at the time and we had a baptistry similar to ours. You see the plexiglass up front. So we had one of those plexiglass things and, and I, I was pretty nervous, not because I was nervous about get, getting baptized. I was nervous about him baptizing me because of the height difference. And so he does the, you know, baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, very scriptural. <clears throat> and then he takes me down, and as he goes, I'm like, I'm, I'm going. Like, I'm going to, whoo, and, and it's going to be bad. So I put my hand on the plexiglass. <laughs> <laughs> It was awesome. My friends for months were like, <laughs> "So you never know what might happen." The church I came from in Conroe, uh, where we were serving before, uh, our children's minister was relatively new. And there was an elementary student who wanted to be baptized. Great family in the church. They served in children's ministry. Wonderful family. And their daughter, I don't remember her age exactly, but young elementary. Well, when we get to church that morning, we realize, oh no, the baptistry didn't get filled. So if you've never been up here in our baptistry, or you know, maybe you got baptized in our trough you know, that we have, or somewhere else, uh, these things are lots of water in here. And so we're like, oh no. So We're like, well, let's just go for it and see what we can do. So before the early service, we had an 8.30 service, and then we did Sunday school and then 11. And so she was getting baptized at 11. At at 8.10, we turn the water on, let it run for 25 minutes until the service started because otherwise it's like "Ah!" during the worship. So we let it run. Church ends. We crank it up again for an hour uh, for that Sunday school hour. And by the time we get back, at like 1045, there's about four inches of water <laughs> in the baptistry. Okay. We have a decision to make. The parents were super cool. The girl was like, hey, let's do it. So we did it. So our poor children's minister, he gets into the baptistry with her. You don't hear, like you hear ksh, ksh, ksh. It's sloshing, not like waves. It's like, we have a baptism this morning, blah, 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 blah. Um, What's her name, Brandy? What was her name? The Scots. The Scots. Uh, Tina and Bo's daughter. Cody. Cody Scott, yeah. That's, I, I forgot to ask her before the sermon, but I, I couldn't remember the girl's name. The Scots, that's what I knew. They might be watching. <laughs> Probably not. Hopefully not. So he says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he just lays her down, like pushes her down on the bottom of the Baptist tree. The Lord was honored and we celebrated that day. (laughs) But what a blessing, what a story that family and our church would have missed out on if she hadn't, eh, that's just no big deal. When I was serving in Austin, our baptistry was really like it was kind of a dungeon. (laughs) The ceiling was very low, like not even seven feet high. And I'm excited, I'm baptizing a young adult I'm thrilled we're before service we're praying I prayed and at the end of the prayer I went yeah there was a fluorescent light above me bam cut my head bleeding not bad like not it was like surgery or stitches but still it's a great story to tell wonderful story exciting There's all kinds of stories. When we were in Orlando, it was a giant baptistry because it was a huge sanctuary. It sat 3,500 people, and so you had to have a big baptistry so everybody could see. There was one young boy who couldn't reach the bottom, so he just swam out to the pastor. (laughs) And then we baptized him. Like, baptism is exciting. It's fun. And so at the end of the service today, I'm just going to tell you, if you've never been baptized as as a follower of Jesus Christ, some of you, you grew up in a different tradition Where you were baptized as an infant, and that's a wonderful, wonderful tradition for your family to dedicate you to the things of God, to dedicate you to the church. But everywhere we see in the scripture, those who follow Jesus in baptism are those who have placed their faith in him. And it's important. It's vitally important. It's some of Jesus' last words calling us to do this. And so at the end of the service, I'm going to invite you. Our staff is going to be here. We'd love for you to come and say, you know what? I need to be baptized. We had one in the first service who's going to be baptized in two weeks on his birthday. One of our new members. It's going to be exciting. Uh, he and his wife have been coming. They came to membership class. And, and he's going to be baptized on his birthday as a celebration of what God's doing in his life. And so we need to baptize those who have placed their faith in Jesus, that's a calling. Maybe today that's your go. I'm going to take that step of faith and identify with Jesus Christ in baptism to demonstrate visually the death and burial and the resurrection that I have, the new life that I have in Jesus Christ. That's our calling. And as we take that step of faith, we know that we're to to teach others, to teach everyone the Jesus way. To simply walk beside them. To teach them his commands. To, to live a life different. I, I love music. I love the worship we have here. I love to listen to songs on the radio. I cannot sing and I cannot remember words to songs at all. But but I love to listen. I'm envious of everyone on this stage that comes before me and after me. And, And worship is wonderful and awesome and amazing. And that part of worship is music and it's glorious. And all throughout the Bible it tells us that we should worship, that we should sing songs, that we should play instruments, that we should honor the Lord with music. But if As Jesus shares these last words, he's calling us not just to listen to music, not just to play instruments, not just to have that, but to teach people the foundational truth of what it means to follow Christ. And we do that by investing our lives with one another. We do that by opening God's word, by memorizing the word of God, by by helping others see the truth in the scripture. By showing them a better way, and that is Jesus' way. To live in love and grace and forgiveness. To show mercy when no one else does. To live to a higher standard, to to be a person of peace and calm. A non-anxious presence when others are full of worry and anxiety. And when you and I do that, when we go and we reach that 600 to 1,000 people, When we see some of them baptized and identify with the person of Jesus Christ. We want to have a space for them. And that's why we're doing this. is because we want to reach people with the gospel. Not so that we can have a pretty tower and no longer say, hey, we're behind Dunn Brothers. Like, I don't want to say that. But that's not the reason I want to build a commons. I want to build a commons, I want to extend this worship center because I want you and I to make friends, to build relationships with people who are far from God and bring them close to God and then walk alongside them, teaching them his commands, and those commands are right here. And so I want a place to gather and grow together. I want a place that we can grow in relationship with one another and in relationship with Jesus Christ. And prepare the way is the financial means to help us do that. But a far greater gift, a far greater gift than your financial commitment is that you would be a disciple of Jesus who is leading others to follow him. That's the greater gift. And I believe it can be done. I believe that you and I can be the disciple-making missionaries that we've talked about for more than two years now. I believe we can do it. And actually, you pay me to believe that. Like, you do. Now, don't stop giving, because I have a kid in college and one more next year. So, But, but I would do it for free. I, I, I would believe it. I do believe it, even if you didn't pay me. But pay me. Custom sugar cookies can only take you so far. (laughs) Not really far at all, but that helps too. But but I believe it. I, I believe that Matthew 28 is true, that Jesus has all authority. And guess what? He's with you. And you, and those of you online, he's with you. He's with us. And so I don't have to worry about taking steps of faith. I don't have to worry about taking steps of faith with my finances. I don't have to worry about taking steps of faith when it comes to communicating the truth of Jesus Christ. I don't have to worry about taking steps of faith when it comes to investing in somebody else's life. Because God's with me. And he's walking beside me and he has authority over my life and he has authority over their life. And so today I'm asking you to commit to be a disciple maker. To be one who goes in the patterns of your life and build into other people. Because you know that God is with you. And our commitment for response today is twofold. That's for everybody. I said I had two commitments today. It's really three. I need. I want everyone to commit to be a disciple-making missionary, to be someone who goes and makes disciples. But my second ask today is that you would take a step by faith. I pray that many of you already have been thinking about this, praying about it over the last several weeks. And today we're going to give you an opportunity to turn in your commitment card. And if you have a first offering with that, that's wonderful. We have baskets here at the front, uh, in the balcony, and outside as well. But during our time of response today, when we stand and sing... If you have this commitment card, I'm going to invite you to come and turn that commitment card in in the envelope that was provided or you can grab one in the pew back, pew back, the seat back. See, I'm still stuck when we used to have pews. In the seat back, and you can bring that forward. But the second commitment I'm asking some of you to make, many of you have made this commitment already, but some of you have never been baptized. You've never followed Jesus in Believer's Baptism and I'm gonna invite you today when we stand and sing to come and say, you know what, I I wanna be baptized. I wanna follow what Jesus says. Our staff will be down front, Haley and Matt, I'll be down front, Randy will be here. We would love to talk to you and say, let's take Jesus public in your life because he wants you to go. And so for some of you, maybe that's your first step of obedience. Maybe that's your first step of going, is to say, Jesus is with me and I am with him. And so I'm going to go. And so that's what I'm calling us today. Those of you that have given over the past two years, thank you for doing so. You've blessed us uh, beyond measure. Let's continue to give generously and cheerfully to prepare the way. You can turn your commitment card in a minute. minute. But if you've never been baptized, there's no greater blessing and who knows, I might tell your story one day because something exciting happened. (laughs) But the Lord wants you and he's with you. Will you pray with me?